Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in to a Blissfully Balanced Life podcast. For those of you who are new here, I'm your host, Crystal Ray, and I am a certified health and fitness coach and Reiki healer. And I created this podcast to show you how to live a holistically healthy life while balancing everything else going on. What you can expect on this podcast are tips for your health, food, fitness, spirituality, mindset, motivation, inspiration, as well as experts sharing their knowledge with you. I am so excited to bring this content to you, so let's get started. Today, our episode is going to be sponsored by Art House. Art House Hotel New York City boasts 291 guest rooms, free on-site restaurants, and nightly live entertainment in Manhattan's Upper West Side. Book your next stay at www.arthousehotelnyc.com or call in for group rates and events. So today, I have Rosina with me. Did I say that right? Yes. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And this episode is literally going to be on fire. So you have given me a little bit of insight as to what you do, but please tell us all, (laughs) all of the amazing things and everything. You do so much. Oh, thank you. Well, first, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I think I know a little bit about balancing. (laughs) So I juggle a lot of balls, wear a lot of hats. I am a college professor. I teach at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, in in a Department of Counseling and Human Services. I teach graduate courses, undergraduate courses, and and uh, and then in the community, I serve on boards, and uh, I am also the founder, founding director for Talking Trees, which is an empowerment organization for adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse. I also run a open mic group. I'm also a poet and a writer. I write on medium.com. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I wear lots of hats and people, I get the question a lot. How do you do all that? How do you do all that? So yeah. So take us a little bit through your journey. Like, were you always a professor? Did you know you always wanted to do that? Did you know you always wanted to have all these different elements? Like, how did it start? I did not. And oddly enough, I, I found all of these activities or they found me. So uh, I've always maybe been a bit of a perfectionist, maybe slightly, uh, but as I get older and I don't have children, because children, they take a lot of responsibility and attention. And so people now ask me, do you have children? I know I have adults. (laughs) And so I think once my children left and I found myself with this like (laughs) abundance of energy then I keep finding ways to make myself happy because I don't that's that's all I have to worry about now is making myself happy and I find that that uh, I need a lot of things to make me happy so when things make me happy I just take them on so I actually earned my master's degree at age 22. Congrats. So, so thanks. So I, so I guess I've been a little bit busy and I earned my, my, and so I've been teaching in higher education since I earned my doctorate degree in 2000. So that's been, so I've had two decades of that under my belt. Um, but then I found Talking Trees, the organization for adult survivors when I started living openly as an incest survivor and really realize there's a lot of work that we need to do. So everything I do now sort of centers around adult survivors, even the way that I live my own life openly and show that uh, having been a victim doesn't keep you a victim. There's a lot of work to do, 
But when you're willing to do that work, there's a lot of living left to be done too. And so, you know, how did I get to doing all these things? I got to do all these things when I stopped living small as a victim. It's like, oh, it's okay to be seen. Like, oh, it's okay to like really enjoy life and go after things that you want and be a part of the world. So that's, I think, why I keep having these things come into my life. I also work out a lot. So um, in, in, in another interview, they asked me about self-care. Like, I'm the queen of self-care. Like, people would make this assumption that because I do all these things, I don't take, take care of myself. Oh, I, I am the queen of self-care. So oftentimes when I, when I say I'm busy, I'm too busy, I'm so busy, I'm busy because I have to run at five o'clock in the morning, or I'm busy because I have hot yoga at six o'clock, you know, in the yeah. morning. So, so I don't exclude myself from all of those things. I just believe that life is meant to be lived. So I put the fun first. That's the key that I think a lot of people miss. Yes. You put the fun first. Right. And then you have energy to do all the other stuff that's, that you have to do or is less fun. Yes. So you just brought up so many topics. <laughs> like, which do I want to go through first? Um, you know, I, this is a really special opportunity for me to have somebody who is a survivor and, you know, made that transition out of victimhood in a sense. So for anybody else that's listening out there that might be in a similar place of being a victim, how can they start? Like, what's the first thing that they can do? What's the second step? And like... What does the journey look like? So as a health coach, I know a lot of times when we go to heal our health, mm-hmm. you know, we think, oh, yeah, we're going to do this and we're just going to feel healthy and it's going to take like five <laughs> days and yeah, we're going to get there. Jokes. Right. It takes months because it took months and years to get sick, right? So right. How, does it, how does this translate in the work that you do? So it's very similar. People want a quick fix pill. I wanted a quick fix Pill and uh, and thought that I had it, uh, but and I didn't. So when I and so when I entered the journey, like I realized it was it, it is a journey. Like it's a commitment to life. It's not something you do and get over. Like healing is a commit. It's the way that you live your life, and so it starts with dropping the secret. I think what that looks like for you as an individual, I have no clue. I have no idea. What I can tell you, though, for sure, is that if you're walking around with this secret, your life is not balanced. Okay. It's not balanced. I can assure you that. And so it's like figuring out a way or, or letting, your, letting your healing journey unfold in a way that shows you how it is imbalanced. Because just because you, you have some level of success or contentment or you have the family or the job doesn't mean that your life is balance it means that you've hidden it well and so when I say drop the secret and stop living your life in an intentional way then to where you're trying to not allow something about you to be revealed you're not living an authentic life and if you're not living in an authentic life you're not living a, um, a balanced life so I think the first step to that is being uh, having some space within yourself to explore what would it look like for me? How would my life look different if I dropped this secret? Yeah. That doesn't tell you how to drop it. It just says, what will my life look like? How would it look different if I dropped it? And then you have to figure out, what does dropping the secret look like for me? Right. Do you think a lot of people are aware when they're walking around with the secret? It's kind of more like subconscious and they're... Okay, so have you become aware that you're walking around <laughs> with that? So the key that you're walking around with the secret is 
if, if you notice yourself getting uncomfortable with certain conversations, you have to figure out how to divert those conversations. So if you're, especially if your initiation into your own sexuality was distorted and dysfunctional, we don't realize how we skirt and change narratives to not go there or, or ignore it or we fix it in our minds. If we um, are not, have never been honest with our family about why we don't spend much time there or don't go home or those sorts of issues or how I have many um, many followers constituents who have never even told their partners that they're survivors mm. so it's interesting uh, one of the psychology courses that I teach is human sexuality and when we get to this section about about being survivors of sexual violence and that sort of stuff or healthy sexuality like we're teaching people to ask all these questions now like have you been tested and what's your background we've never said to people that it's okay to ask a question have you ever had any sexual violations have you ever had non-consensual sex because people consent consider um, rape someone grabbed you out of the alley and put a gun to your head but we know that in reality that's not how most sexual abuse happens so even asking a question like have you ever been uh, involuntarily giving yourself to someone or some or some question along those lines that's one of the most important, I think, uh, influences on how that experience is going to go. But instead, we're like, oh, well, you want to know if they have diseases and you want to know, you ask these questions to keep yourself safe, but you don't ask the questions that keep that other, keep your partner safe. So being a good partner includes asking the questions to make sure that your partner is safe. So... So people don't always realize unconsciously how they're carrying themselves and carrying this heavy weight. But I will say this, if you know that that has been your experience in the past and you have not been intentional about uh, addressing those issues, then you're, that means you're still carrying them. That's <laughs> such a good description. That's like, I don't think you could have explained that any more clear. Like, Thank you. Yes. And on another note, and sorry, I give a little bit of tough love. If all of that just triggered you, this right. is an example that <laughs> right. you have something to look at. And it, it, it's not meant to be mean, but it's, you know, we as you say, like, we can't change until we become authentic. And right. that means accepting the things that might be upsetting us and right. looking at them and working through them. So a lot so, of... Let me give the website before what people are tripping, yes. before they turn off. Right. <laughs> TalkingTreesSurvivors.com is the website that will lead you to many other resources to begin to address it. So how is it with having that kind of community, right? Like, what does that community do? What does it feel like to be somebody who has that community? And, you know, a lot of this is heavy. A lot mm -hmm. of this is deep, really you know, interesting work, like, explain all of that. Sure, so Talking Trees is an online community, and there are some things, some features about it that make it unique. One is that uh, Talking Trees is always advocated for adult survivors living openly. That's really important. So that means it's an open site. Anybody can go there. Anybody, like, you're, nothing you say is protected. People thought that that was, like, really risky and threatening. I'm like, it's all about releasing the shame, releasing the secret. It cannot be a closed site. What happens mysteriously, though, is because it's an open site, it's one way that we, it's one way that, that forces people to monitor themselves. So unlike many of the closed sites, which are, you know, sometimes people call it trauma porn. We don't have that on Talking Trees. So it's all about what is this healing journey like for me? 
So what's interesting is that people who don't live openly anywhere else will still come and participate in talking trees, right? Because they're, they're not saying someone did this to me, this exact thing when I was this exact age. And it's not that kind of thing at all. It's like, what are your relationships like? Are you taking care of your health? Um, um, what are you doing in your, how are you spending your free time? What do your boundaries look like? Is every day you know that someone has thought about you today and, and has thought about the healing journey and what it may mean for you. And so it's a close-knit community in that way. People are free to come and go. There's nobody's collected emails, nobody, there's nothing. It's just this space that you get to define for yourself as a survivor. So it's real important to me. I, I, I love it. I actually looked at the insights on it for a two-year period. The year spanning from the year before the Me Too movement and the year after the Me Too movement. And one of the insights I was pleased to know is that there were um, uh, over 2 million uh, reactions posts. So at over 2 million times in a 24-month period, someone had seen something from Talking Trees, which is pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah. Not only that, the the... The, even the, the better part of that was that of all the people who are coming to Talking Trees, less than 1% leave. That's awesome. That's yeah. remarkable. Right. So people are getting something. Yeah. People are getting something. So, so I'm excited. And I monitor it like mama bear. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So it's not a place where you'll, you'll go and see junk or people fighting. or people, it's, not, it's all about the healing journey. And do you want to share so, this little website one more time? Yes. In case anyone missed it before? Thanks. The website is TalkingTreesSurvivors.com. And on that website, there will be access to the Facebook link. As well as there's a Q&A on that website and all, all sorts of good, um, fun materials and resources that you can find for survivors. Amazing. So. I'll also post that link in the show description. So, Thank you. yes, check it out there and you guys can get the link there. So you mentioned boundaries. Yes. What are some of your boundaries? <laughs> some of my boundaries, are, I, I'm, I do not enter into therapeutic relationships with constituents. I absolutely do not. So that being said, people do write me and say, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that, and I will write them back and, and, and engage them for a little bit, like, oh, thanks for sharing, this is important. Sometimes they just want me to know that I've been an inspiration and this is what they've done. Sometimes they actually want advice, and I give them advice. I say, oh, think about this, or maybe this is happening. And, I'll, and, I'll, and, a two, and I usually try to end with some homework. I'll do that once or once or twice, um, and then I and and I'll give them enough homework to keep them busy, so to speak, so that it's not like this is not going to be a back and forth every week or every day. You're right. Like I do, I absolutely have boundaries about that, mm -hmm. and I will say like, are you are you going to counseling? Are you getting? Because this is not a counseling relationship. Right. So I'm pretty clear about that boundary. And then for self care. You say you're really big on self-care. Yes. So can you take me through an example of what your day might look like? Yes. Or like, I don't know. Are your days different Monday through Friday than Saturday they and are. Sunday? How okay. about a week? We do, do a week. week. Yeah. So in, in a week, <laughs> I uh, the mind-body connection is so important, especially as a survivor when that, when that um, body autonomy has been violated. It's so important to maintain that connection. So, uh, so I do yoga. And I do um, 
vinyasa yoga at six o'clock in the morning. I do hot yoga sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the evening. Uh, I do at least three yoga classes. Uh, sometimes I do four. I'll do two hot yoga classes and two vinyasa yoga classes a week. Uh, I do at least two days of Taekwondo, sometimes four. I <laughs> love it. I'm a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo. Oh my god! I love I love training, uh, and so I do that two to four times a week, depending on my schedule. I um, I run at least two to three times a week. <laughs> and I know a lot of people are like you know you've run out of days, right? So, <laughs> so, so like start the morning I, off running. I do well, some days. Some days I start off running. Some days I, I'll run in the afternoon, depending on on my day. So what an ideal day for me is if I can get up, have a workout or a yoga, a workout, a yoga workout or a run or something, and then do an evening workout, either Taekwondo or yoga, depending on what I mixed up. So I love when I can work out twice a day. Like that's the ideal day for me. And then just, you know, do some work in between. Either I'm writing or or, or, or teaching or something. But I ideally, I so ultimately at the end of the week, I try to get in at least 10 hours of workouts during the week. Amazing. I love it. <laughs> I mean, working out does such... Like, it makes such a difference when it comes to our mental capacity right. and, like, letting go of the extra stress or the cortisol, right? Like, if you're sitting right. down writing all day, you got, like, our bodies are meant to move. we got to get up. we got to move. Exactly. And I love the balance that you have, right? Like, you're doing cardio. You're also doing yoga, which also helps with moving energy. Yep. And yes. then Taekwondo is helping with strength. Like, you're doing all three, which is yep. so balanced and right. so amazing. Thank you. So how do you fit everything else in? <laughs> in between there. And people, I'm not kidding. Like, people experience a lot of stress. And I learned this a long time ago. I don't know where I learned it, but I, I read it somewhere. And, I'm, and it just resonated with me. Do what you love first. That is so important. Do what you love first. So... When we get up and we get up with the stress of I gotta get I'm, I'm in a rush I gotta get the kids ready I gotta go to work I blah 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 then your mind you like that's how you that's the mentality that you go through the rest of the day with that something else is more important than you and a long time ago I learned this secret to make nothing more important than me right um, that when I get up in the morning the first thing on my mind is how I'm gonna take care of myself <laughs> like what am I gonna run. When, I gonna, when am I going to do yoga? Maybe the night before. I've I already uh, agreed to pick Claudine up for yoga. you know. But I know when I get up in the morning that my first job is to take care of me. Like, that's so important. Right. And sometimes people just aren't brave enough to do that. Well, how did you see your life change when you started doing it? Like, how did you see your relationships change when you started taking care of you first? Everybody is better when I take care of me first. Right. Like everybody is better when I take care of me first. Maybe it's an adjustment. People have to get used to it. But when I get what I need first, and here's the other thing, I stop relying on other people to take care of me. Right. So it changes the dynamic. Yes. Right. And yes. it's like, I feel like a lot of people might think that it's selfish to take care of you and do self-care, but actually it's the most beneficial thing you can do for yourself and for everybody else. And yeah. like, stop thinking that it's selfish. Like that's like my main right. thing. And if you do it early, that's the other thing. I urge people to do it early in the morning because no one is ever trying to interrupt my five o'clock workout. 
ever. <laughs> right. I mean, people are outside with right. them. Right. So it so it's never interrupted. It's never don't be don't be afraid to get up at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, the first few times you may feel a little drowsy, it may take you a while to get that routine together. But once you do, it changes the relationship that you have with yourself. When you make the contract with yourself that you are that important, it changes the relationship that you have with yourself. Thus, it changes the relationship that you have with others. Yes. So how did you figure out what you like? Uh, my I joined Taekwondo uh, because I saw my son, because my son joined, I homeschooled. <laughs> I homeschooled my kids. Of course I did, right? Yeah. Right, like, right. And so one requirement was that they had to have physical education. And so uh, so my son uh, decided on Taekwondo at the Y. And, and so he was in there, I was like, what? People get to kick, punch, and scream? And that's a good thing? <laughs> I'm like, I need to try that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, so like really, for real, like I can hit her and get points for like no, no cops are gonna come. Here. That's awesome. I'm like, where has this been all my life? Right. <laughs> I just want to tell you about this sooner. <laughs> exactly. So that's how I, that's how I started in Taekwondo. Awesome. My my son trained with me until he got his black belt and and quit. I continue. Ironically, my son has um, recently uh, moved back in with us and started training in Taekwondo with me. So we're like together again. I get to train with my son again. That's awesome. Of course, he's of course in spite of the fact that he quit for ten years, he's way ahead of me. <laughs> you know, like how have I been training for ten years? I would never be able to kick like right. that or do like that. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I get to spend time with him. So that's how I. So that's how I got into Taekwondo. Uh, I'll tell you, do I have time to tell you a story about hot yoga? I think you have a few minutes. Okay, so hot yoga, uh, I moved to Colorado in an altitude, my, it, my body does not like it, it just does not, so, so I was hardly ever working out, I just, I mean I'm talking about a year and a half later, I still can't work out there, and so, uh, so we went into a, a yoga class and Claudine drove me into a yoga class and it was a hot yoga class and I thought I would die. Like I just, I, I thought I would die. Like I just stumbled out of the room after 60 minutes because they don't let you leave. It's right, like, and right? it's hot. It's hot and, um, and, and so I got out there, I stumbled out and then, uh, and then um, as I was recovering, my body was like, whoa, this is so cool, you almost died in there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that again. Oh, <laughs> so it was an after effect. Yeah. So, That's awesome. so I went back. I'm glad you didn't give up on it, you know? And lo and behold, within three months, I started running again. My breathing is fantastic. And I'm doing all the things that I used to do before I moved to Colorado. That's amazing. It is. It is. So so I, I will not quit hot yoga. Yes. So. <laughs> so we have a minute left. If anybody is looking to connect with you further, where can they find you? My personal website is rosinabakari.com. R-O-S-E-N-N-A-B-A-K-A-R-I.com. RosinaBakari.com, and you can find links to everything there. If you um, 
If you are a reader, please, please, please find me on medium.com under Rosina B, just my first name and last initial. Uh, I do a lot of writing, a lot of write uh, issues around mental health, um, um, changing your perspective, having balance, waking up at five o'clock. So, uh, so yeah, go to rosinabakari.com and you'll find all of my other links. Amazing. I'll put all those links in the show description as thank well. You. But thank you for being here today and joining us on A Blissfully Balanced Life. I'm so happy to meet you and you as well this has been wonderful i appreciate it yeah thank you thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's podcast episode i appreciate you i appreciate you being here i appreciate your time and if there's anybody that you think would love this episode please share it with them and of course go ahead and leave a review for this podcast i hope you have a wonderful day and we'll talk soon Bye.